Welcome to Mandatory Fun, a podcast by a military wife reflecting on life. My name is Erin Stevens, and I don't have a job. Well, okay, I have a job, I guess. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I started out this line of work as a stay-at-home dog mom, but quickly got a raise in responsibility, not pay. I guess I should say I don't have a career. I have many degrees and life experiences, but it turns out that that combination does not necessarily lead to employment. Not in the traditional sense, anyway. I'm self-employed as a podcaster, but I spend money on that rather than make it. Sure, someday, maybe it will yield some income, but I'm not holding my breath. I can do that really well, by the way, because I've been a lifeguard as well as a certified aerobics instructor. I've also worked at a yoga studio and climbing wall. I went to the University of Colorado for a degree in hiking and skiing. Oh, wait, no, broadcast journalism. My favorite class was African dance. Just kidding again. I mean, my parents are listening. I loved my journalism classes and learned an awful lot. I graduated in 2002, and in the 14 years that have passed, technology has changed so much that I probably couldn't even figure out how to turn on a video camera, let alone edit a news package. That's not the reason I'm not working in journalism, though. I married my husband, as we have already established, is in the military. We met in college, so my career in journalism kind of stopped before it could begin. We couldn't both have jobs that told us where to go. We'd never be going to the same place. That's a relationship killer. So, I decided to get a master's degree in educational psychology as well as a teaching certificate because that career can move around easily. I spent the better part of two years working towards that goal while Jake was at pilot training. When I graduated from that program, I met up with Jake in Tucson, but we were there for such a short amount of time that I decided to wait tables and then quit when we got our puppy. Thus began my career at home. When we moved up to Alaska, I could have taught. I would have had to obtain a teaching certificate in Alaska, which would have meant a bit of work, so I decided to start out subbing. I hated it. Maybe it's because I'm short, so I was super intimidated by the students, or maybe kids take the opportunity to be horrible to substitute teachers, so that was miserable. Plus, it was dark until 11 a.m., so I was beyond tired all day. I stuck it out for a little while, and then I went back to dog-minding. When Jake deployed, I got my aerobic certification and started teaching about five classes a week. I loved that. It wasn't a career, but it was a job, and it was healthy, and it got me out of the house. Plus, I made some cash so I could buy dog booties and dog sweaters and such. Then Jake got back. I got pregnant, and the rest is history. After I had my daughter, I realized I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse and lactation consultant. Nine years later, it hasn't happened yet. It would mean more school. For those who have lost count, I already have a bachelor's and master's degree, and I just can't motivate. Working as a military spouse takes a ton of motivation. I often wonder how people do it. How do you have a career when you move all the time, don't really have help from family, and probably have kids or plan to have kids someday? I know I'm not the only one who wonders these things. Today, I'm on a mission to find out how these Wonder Women do it. I'll be asking several women with very different careers and home situations how they motivate and keep a career moving forward. First, we have Gwen. Okay, Gwen. So, tell me what you do. (laughs) The famous question. Um, Simple terms, I'm a contractor for the government. In long, laborious terms, that's not a word, but you mentioned (laughs) nursing, labor, whatever. Okay. (laughs) So, um, So, 
I was active duty for a while when I met my husband. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, it just was too hard in our past to both be in the military. So we chose not to. My last couple of years in the military, I specialized as a wartime airspace operator in the Air Operations Center. Got out, had kids, and about five years later, I um, I describe it as cups in life, and I have a work cup, and I've worked my whole life, and that was very empty in my life. So I felt the need to go back to work. Totally a personal choice. That I had a couple things that led me to this job, but in essence, I work as the operator helping engineers build systems within the air operations center. So basically my job, as we deliver requirements to the engineers, I help them to understand those requirements to make it functional for the operators so that it can actually become a system that the operators will want to use in the AOC. Um, The example I always give people in terms that they can relate, it'd be like if we gave a guy a purse to build. And one of the requirements was it needs two pockets. And the guy would build this purse and you put two pockets on the front. And I would say, well, technically you met the requirement, but functionally it would be better served with maybe a pocket in the front and a pocket inside the purse. So in a nutshell, I'm a contractor for the government, but I specialize as an air operations expert helping the engineers build their systems that go in the AOC. So then once you got out, how did you get into that? Who did you approach or how did that process? I didn't. So I don't have the answer for that because many people say, I've been out for five years or six years. What do I do? And I just feel like things fell in my lap. So let me back up a little bit. I used to be a registered nurse, right? And I somehow got the opportunity to cross-train to air traffic control. Just you know, so it makes happens. total sense. Yeah, right. Life <laughs> happens. Total sense. So you're like, this baby there. Right. This baby there. Right. Yeah. So um, during my air traffic control years, I loved it so much that I let my nursing license go. And anyone knows it's just money a year, CEUs to keep it going. But I knew I never wanted to go back to nursing. So um, when I got out of the Air Force, it was all great decisions. I loved staying at home. Um, it was only a couple of years in after having the girls that I was like, I am missing something. And that was, to me, how I described my work cup was getting very empty. I wanted to go back to work. So this is at the time we were stationed in Kansas and a friend was at the gym. And we had this co-op where you would take your kids and other moms would watch the kids. But then you had to watch kids a couple of days. So when I was there, some girls like, oh, I'm working from home for SAIC, copying documents, um, and making them into a mill wiki, wiki format, and I'm getting paid $15 an hour. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do <laughs> that, $15 an hour. And when you've been out of work, you don't even care what the pay is. It's yeah. like, I just want to do something. I need something outside of this mom life, or at least I did. So I, um, I, she's like, we need people. We need more people. I'm like, fantastic. How do I go? So I go, and I interview with SAIC, and they looked at my resume, and they're like, wow, you're really you're kind of overqualified for this job because I still had my clearances. Well, at least the secret. And I was like, I don't care. Like, let me work from home. Like, what a great opportunity. So that led to, I, of course, got that job. It was part-time. But then they used my resume to bid on rewriting the Army's doctrine on airspace control. So that led up to more money. That led to still allowing me to work from home. But I worked with two older gentlemen, and we wrote Army doctrine. During that time, it was a part-time job, just consulting. We moved to Virginia. So I was doing that, and I ran into a guy in our neighborhood who worked on base in um, the Air Operations Center um, Requirements Division, and he had heard of my experience. And at the time, they were looking for qualified personnel. So for me, it's just, you know, right time, right place. I really believe in that. And for me, I knew going back to work was scary full-time. I will not lie. My first week, I was scared to death. I had never worn a business outfit because I was military my whole life. Um, 
I didn't, what if my fear was, what if my kids got sick the first week? Like, I don't want to be that person. Like I'm a worker. I will be there first thing in the morning and stay late. Like, so all those fears are going back to work set in, but it just worked out, you know? So, um, I knew we were moving in, in time. So I thought, well, let me go back to work for a year. If this works for our family, great. And if it doesn't, well, guess what? We're moving. It's all good. So, so for me, it's just, I don't even know. It just fell into my lap through the years and I don't know. It's been great. Have you ever had any difficulties when, when it's come with the family, when it's come to the kids, when it's come to moving any of that stuff? How do you, how do you kind of like maneuver around that stuff? Um, so, so we left Virginia. That was challenging. We did have some family there, but not close. We still, sitters. I mean, you have to rely on a good sitter and good nannies. It was when we moved to Georgia. That was probably my biggest fear. So I put my two week notice in at Virginia and said, we're moving and at the time, we were just in such a middle of a project, and um, I had really developed a niche in my job there. And the government's like, how can we keep you? And they looked at the contract and made some amend, like they changed it to allow me to work from home. And it was only supposed to be six months. Uh, four years later, here I sat, you know, grateful, but extremely grateful. But um, so we moved to Georgia, and we're not even here a week, and I have to be gone for two weeks. And my husband's coming down here in a position that he's got to be at work, and his hours are going to be long. So how did I struggle with that? Uh, Sitter City became my friend. I knew after interviewing so many nannies and sitters, I call them nannies, we never had anyone live with us, but you know, I, I knew the right questions to ask. And to me, accountability and timing was everything because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a neighbor at the time mm-hmm. to be like, can you get my kids off the bus if the nanny doesn't show up? So I've been extremely, extremely lucky here in Georgia. We've had two great girls come in our life who are, you know, their family at this point who has helped us with the girls and stuff so and they're getting older and they're getting easier so Mm -hmm. at this point I think our big hurdles are really past us but challenging all the time have they ever expressed anything to you about it oh yes I am not the mom that goes to school I'm not like I that like I you can't do it all right something has got to give you know and I recognize that for me um I don't go to school often if at all I don't go on the field trips and they have begged for me to go on field trips Honestly, I probably could work a field trip in. <laughs> but you don't want to go on the school bus. Because I'm um, a stay-at-home mom, Gwen, <laughs> and I also will not go on field trips. I don't even like going to the lunchroom. It's <laughs> the noise. It's the whatever. So work has been a great excuse at times. So, But it, they have maybe have become resentful because I work because that's what I use not to go. But yeah. So. so you're happy with your decision and the choices and you foresee yourself continuing – Um, Yes, I will say that for me, it's always been a choice. I had made sure in my journey as a family, or I should say our journey, my job has never been, um, has never been put into the equation with finances. It's always been my husband. What we, any financial decisions, it's only his income. It's never mine because you never know. I mean, we move all the time. Some company may say, well, I don't, you know, if you come here, uh, we're not going to keep you on anymore. So, um, so I, it's always a choice for me. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I love the products we're producing. So I will work as long as they let me, mm-hmm. and it still works for our family. Well, Gwen, that was really, really interesting. I really appreciate <laughs> it. I really feel like I learned so much more. Well, first, now I understand your job. I needed that purse yeah. analogy. But also, I yeah, I give you a lot of credit. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. So yeah. Thanks. Other Congrats. than I can't say laborious or laborious or what is that word? <laughs> laborious? That I, yeah, maybe. Well, mm-hmm. I, mean. I don't even know what it means. I think I tried <laughs> to use it all wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gwen. You're welcome. Next up, we have Aubrey. Now, just so 
all the listeners know, Aubrey and I have a history. We go way back. So if this gets a little out in left field, that's why. But enjoy. So Aubrey, tell us a little bit about what you do. Currently, I am a PA in anesthesia. I put people to sleep. So I know that you did not start out doing this. So can you explain a little bit the history? Because I know that your degree, you just got it. You just finished it at the end of last summer. So what brought you down this path? So it's interesting to listen to Gwen speak because I think we're all kind of along the same path. But same thing for me, me and Dustin, Amtrak. Uh, We were both military and I did combat acquisition. So it wasn't – I mean, it was very – business-like type stuff. But I had been a medic years ago, and I wanted to get kind of back into medicine. My undergrad was from the academy, and it was in biology. And I was doing combat acquisitions, which is something I hated. I absolutely hated it. It was just a job to do in the Air Force. And I ended up getting out, giving up my career for his career. He's the pilot. I was the shoe clerk. And we wanted to have kids. And so it was me. I gave it up. And I spent five years out. And I just didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom, and I wanted to go back to work. And I did an adjunct teaching job because I had a master's, and I loved teaching. I loved the interaction with students. I loved teaching them biology, and then I wanted to do more because it paid well, but it wasn't – it was methodical, and I could see it getting old over time. So I wanted to do something that I could – love to do every day but it was different it wasn't the same old thing I wasn't logging into the same computer I wasn't putting the same slides together and I knew that medicine is where I wanted to go back to so um I started looking at programs and and applying so how did you come up with anesthesiology and being a AA not in AA but an AA (laughs) (laughs) how did that happen not in a 12-step program I didn't want um I didn't want to just go back and do like nur- – I knew I wanted to go medicine. And I didn't want to do general practice. And the reason is um, I like people, but I don't want to hear all their problems. And I don't want to see the same patient every day. And I knew that that was kind of general practice. So for me, I love chemistry and I love cell biology. And I wanted to use that knowledge to have – very quick interactions with patients, enjoy them for who they are, and then treat them and be done with them. And anesthesia is the perfect place to be in that. And medicine is very depressing, to be honest with you. You see patients that get sick. You see family members that get sick. They have babies with problems or, um, you know, just, I mean, that's just the nature of medicine. People degrade over time. So the best part of medicine for me is anesthesia. Everybody's happy to see you, especially if you work in labor and delivery. You're the bearer of the cocktail before surgery. People, I mean, you're also a point where people are the most scared. So for me, I love to interact with people and I can comfort them and and use my personality and, you know, just personal history. I connect with a lot of patients just because I move around a lot and I do all these other things. And you'd be surprised how many people have military backgrounds. And it's just anesthesia was the point that I wanted to be. It's chemistry. It's It was fun to learn. It's fun to practice. And it's the good side of medicine. But you had to go back to school to do this, obviously. And you went back after you had kids. So how did you work this out? So um, life is very serendipitous. Uh, at first, I actually wanted to do nurse 
anesthesia because I didn't know that anesthesiologist assistants existed. So I was looking at um, a nurse um, getting another degree, yet another degree, an advanced or a, um, a quick RN degree. And then I was going to have to look at ICU time and doing anesthesia school and nurse anesthetist school. And it was going to be a long uh, process. So then I went to Ohio to visit you <laughs> for your 30th birthday. And I ran into somebody up there who um, there's only so many AA programs out there. And I learned about it up there. And for me, it was just the quicker path. But as far as family and everything goes, um, it was just, it was a sacrifice. Dustin and I had to talk about it. It was a sacrifice that we had to look at and it was perfect timing and it was serendipitous that the boys were old enough. All of my schooling hadn't expired yet and it was the, he was going on a staff tour so he wasn't going to be flying, he wasn't going to be deploying, he wasn't going to be doing anything like that. It was the only opportune time in the history of our relationship and military experience for me to go do you feel like and I know I can ask you this because we're friends do you carry did you carry guilt about it when it was happening which is an interesting question because I feel like I don't know that the military member themselves carry a lot of guilt I think that we as spouses are the ones that carry a lot of guilt and so I'm curious when you were going you know, moving towards your dreams and your goals, did you carry guilt because you had to spend some time away from your family? Absolutely. But I think what you said is is very true. And that's something that we all have to deal with, that the wives are the ones that are always carrying guilt. But the guilt is, is multifaceted. We're either feeling guilty that we work and we're away from our kids, or we feel guilty that we're not good to ourselves and we're not working for ourselves and we're devoting our life to our children and our husband's careers. We feel guilty for leaving our animals. We feel guilty for all of these things. And I think that guilt, we've got to get rid of that guilt feeling. And for me, um, I did feel very guilty going to school and for the lack of a better term, being selfish, going back to school because we were going to be apart. It's not like I went back to school and my husband and my kids were there in town. They went to Virginia Beach. They were supposed to be in Hawaii, thank God. They went to Virginia Beach and I was down in Fort Fort Lauderdale, which was just miserable, guys. The weather was terrible <laughs> the whole time. And um, and I felt very guilty, but I also knew that that guilt was self-imposed. My kids didn't care that I was gone. They're not going to care when they're 14 and 15 and 16. They're not even going to remember it. The guilt is all on me and was on my shoulders. Uh, and I felt guilty leaving Dustin to a certain extent. Um, I, You know, he's a big kid. And I also thought and know now it was really good for our marriage he spent time raising the boys and having to do boys, sports, sick kids, and a career, dogs. He had to do all of it. And so now he kind of understands what we go through as spouses. And I think I think it was a really good choice. I mean, the guilt's going to kill me for the rest of my life, I'm sure. You know, yeah. if Jaeger passes – Jaeger's my black lab. If Jaeger passes away, I'm going to feel guilty I didn't have those two years yeah. there. I'm going to feel guilty if something – my biggest fear of being gone – was something's going to happen at home yeah. and I'm going to feel guilty I wasn't there. So now that you're back at home and you're actually working, how do you feel? Are you pretty happy with your choice that you made and it paid off? And I'm very happy. Yeah, I, I love my work um, at this point, though, working full-time. Now I kind of want to work part-time. Um, I still feel guilty about being gone. And I do I do want to be the mom that goes to the schools and stuff. I do like to go meet them for lunch and and just – be a part of their lives. I mean, they're a big deal to me, the kids. And so I 
I want to always be involved in their life. And I think working full time, it's hard to do that and be involved in Dustin's career and my own, but it'll work. It's a juggling act. My hope for you is that the balance is found sooner than later and you can do both. You can have part-time career, Aubrey, which I know you are and you want, and you can also be mom, Aubrey, which I also know you want and are very good at. So thanks, Thanks, Aubs. Up next, we have Brittany. So Brittany, yours is a little bit different because you have a daughter who just turned one or no, is about to, no, turning one this week. Yes. She's just about to turn one. She's about to turn one. So tell us about your career path. What do you do? Where do you see yourself going? Because I know this is kind of a long journey for you so yes so I got I have two uh, bachelor's degrees I got my undergrad in corporate communications and then I decided I wanted to go into nursing so I kind of did a fast track and got my bachelor's in nursing and then I moved around with my husband we went to two different states I took my boards in North Carolina and then um got licensed in Idaho, which is where we were stationed next. And so I worked for two years as a registered nurse in, um, as an inpatient rehab, uh, nurse. And then I worked in cardiac ICU for a year and I absolutely loved that. It was just the best job I had. It was very challenging. It was very, um, it really made me think on my feet and the group of people that I worked with were amazing. I really learned a lot. And then, um, while I was there, I always had the, I always had dreams of becoming a nurse practitioner. I wanted to expand my role as a nurse and I really wanted to be able to educate patients and give them the resources they needed to kind of, you know, manage their own health so that, you know, we could eventually, you know, reduce um, clinic visits and hospital visits and kind of manage and prevent chronic disease. So that was my intention of going back to school. Um, So when I was there in Idaho, I applied for an online program through Georgetown and I did um, I got accepted and I got into the program and then we moved a couple months later so I had to my first two months in the program I was newly pregnant I was about two months pregnant I had really bad morning sickness both David and I were trying to you know plan our move pack up everything Um, we both drove each of our cars down and I had to pull over multiple times because I was so sick and then um, got back into uh, Georgia and had to, um, you know, unpack everything. So it was, you know, it was, it was challenging that first semester, but, you know, it was something that I wanted to do. It was a sacrifice. Um, But I know it's going to be worth it in the long run. So you stuck with it through all of that. You kept on going with the online course and the move and everything. Yes. So I was I was full time that first semester and I did not get a job when I got into Georgia because I knew that I wouldn't have um, built up enough leave, um, maternity leave. So I decided to just focus on school. And I took off a semester of school so that I could be there for my daughter the first three months, you know, caring for her. And I will, you know, sometimes I see some of my friends that are graduating who have already taken boards and have passed, and that would have been me. But then I keep thinking back, I would not have had those, you know, three or four months of that critical time with my daughter. Um, And this is the only time that she was going to be this age. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's hard to see that, but I know it's just worth it. So did the timing just work out that way that you were able to take a break when she was born or 
how did that work? Did you have to work with the program and say, you know, I need some time off or, you know, how did that happen? I did have to ask the program. They initially were, you know, a little skeptical about, you know, they kind of didn't really want me to take off because their clinical rotations were pretty, they had to be in a row. Um, And I had to get permission from the dean and it was kind of a process, but it, it worked out in my favor and it actually worked out really well because the classes that I have to take now since I'm part-time kind of line up where they're challenging, but it's not too much um, on my plate. So you're still in nurse practitioner school now. Yes. And so how much longer do you have left until you're done with that? I have um, four courses left. I'm taking three over the summer. And then in the fall, I have my last clinical rotation, which is my peds rotation. And then I'll graduate in December. Do you feel like your husband has been really supportive and helpful through the process? Because I know since you have a daughter, it's kind of challenging how did you work that out not being near family you know where does she go all of that kind of stuff so it was really hard at first um, going back to school and trying to figure out like the nursing and putting her into daycare and it was very hard on me because I had spent you know those three months with her but um, you know I kind of I kind of, you know, made myself think, you know, this is just short term, you know, it's only going to be for a short while and this is going to benefit my whole family. And, you know, when Briella, you know, gets older, you know, she'll understand and really respect me for what I had to go through and what I've done for the family. And um, going to my husband, he's been more than supportive and he has just been there so many times just helping me kind of I've just really struggled through the program because it's very challenging and studying and reading 30 chapters a week and you know preparing for exams and it's just it's really hard and but it's something that I learn I I love and I learn I love to study the information so um he's just he's there at night to help you know bathe her and put her to sleep and help with the bottles and um, read her bedtime stories. So he's really been, you know, he's just been that fatherly figure the whole time, but really very supportive through the pro- throughout the program. So where are you going from here? What happens when you graduate? Well, when I graduate, it's kind of, it just depends on where we're going to go next. So it's really, it's really kind of up in the air. I will graduate in December and then I w- would like to take boards pretty quickly after um, either early December or January. But um, obviously if we stay here and, um, we extend, then it would be, um, try to find a job in the area. It's very, this area is very saturated with providers. So it'd be really hard to find a job. So I might have to expand my, you know, radius a little bit to, you know, I don't know, Tallahassee or, you know, whatever I need to, to get a job. But that's, you know, that's my goal is to probably find a job in the area while we're here. Well, I my goal is for you to finish so that you can write prescriptions and I don't have to take my daughters <laughs> to the doctor anymore. That is my goal for you. So thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Next, we have Blair. So Blair, I'm really glad that you could be here because I feel like you cover a whole other side because your job was overseas and back. So tell us a little bit about what your job is and how you got started. Sure. Thanks for having me. I am an account manager for a life sciences consulting firm. And so we do corporate communications and investor relations, mostly for small uh, biotechnology companies and do some pharma as well. Um, But we do everything from, you know, from an investor relations side, 
um, doing market analysis and competitor intelligence, due diligence, um, trying to introduce companies to investors on Wall Street for their roadshows, helping them to raise, you know, private equity equity rounds, um, all the way to taking companies public on the NASDAQ. Uh, and it was really neat when I was working for the company in Germany, uh, four of the five uh, private biotechnology companies that listed on the NASDAQ from Europe in 2014 were our clients. So that was a pretty exciting uh, exciting time. It was a good year for biotech. Um, the bubble has burst a little bit since then. Um, but we're still going strong. And uh, that's kind of you know, what was unique about being in Germany is we just opened up a new office. We weren't sure if there was going to be a whole lot of business, but our services that we're able to offer to European clients is helping European companies, you know, reach the investor community in the U.S. And then the other kind of aspect of our business is the communication side. So we do everything from uh press releases, corporate branding, websites, PowerPoint presentations, so corporate investor presentations, um, any other type of collateral material. And the key here is really to make sure that a company is positioned well for their target audiences. You know, for small biotech companies um, at that stage in the development, it's usually going to be trying to raise funds to get their products either in the clinical trials or through the clinical trials. Um, And then for the later stage development, reaching out more to uh, key opinion leaders, to physicians, and then ultimately uh, to patients um, once they get commercialized products. Were you working with this company before you went to Germany? So I wasn't. Um, I was working in healthcare administration for a uh, you know private uh, hospital corporation. Loved my job. Um, loved where I was. And then I fell in love, got married, quit my job, uh, and moved to Germany. That was where our first assignment was together. And I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to work as a military spouse. Um, You know, I thought, I've got a great education. I've got, you know, a good experience under my belt, a strong resume. And I completely underestimated how difficult it would be to work as a military spouse. Um, I think it's hard enough in the States. You know, you're moving every two to three years. A lot of people say, oh, you should be a teacher. You know, you should be a nurse. Um, they need those jobs everywhere. Well, people don't think about the fact that your credentials don't necessarily transfer to different states. And when you get overseas, it's a whole nother mountain that you have to climb um, because you need a work visa to work in the European Union. And the way that the, the laws are in the EU is, yes, obviously you need a work visa, but then they give preference to applicants that are you know European citizens um, in addition to having that visa. Don't let you know. You've also got the language barrier that you have to think about, uh, depending on what com- or what country you may be stationed in or assigned to at the time. So, um, I actually got really lucky. Um, this was a U.S. firm that was looking to open up a new office and expand their business from the U.S. over to Europe. Um, they were looking for someone that was familiar with the industry and fluent in English. So, oh, that's perfect. yeah, I've got the English part down, mm-hmm. um, and I really was actually introduced to the company through my dad who um, had worked with the company before, um, knew their CEO, and you know just ended up hitting it off with my boss at the time, uh, who was the vice president that was opening up this office in, in Europe. And um, yeah, we just ran from there. But I know that where you lived in Germany was pretty rural and not close to any major cities. So did you work? How did you work that? Because I mean, I know the answer to this question, but where <laughs> was your office based? My office was at home. Um, 
the nice thing about this company is that they've really allowed me to use, you know, modern day technology and telecommute from home. Um, but then I would go, the office was based in Munich, it needs to be, you know, in a big, you know, major U- or international you know, European city. So I would commute to Munich, not every week, um, not even once, sometime it was as much as 50% of the time when we were really busy. Other times it would be once a quarter, but it was great for me to be able to see other parts of the country. Uh, I loved going to Munich. Um, I hate working from home. I often feel like I'm on house arrest. I'm very much a people person. And a lot of people think, you know, working from home is great. You can work in your pajamas. You have all this flexibility. There's also a lot of distractions. And if you're a people person like me and you kind of thrive on, you know, being in an environment with other people, being able to bounce ideas off them, it, it makes it a lot more difficult. Again, something that I sounded nice to begin with, um, but, but quickly got old. That being said, I'm I know that I'm really lucky to to have a job, to have the support of my company, that they allow me to work remotely, and I've been able to do that for them um, back here in the States as well. So they've given me a lot of flexibility, and um, I know I'm very grateful, I'm very lucky. Yes, that was my next question. So obviously you're not in Germany anymore, so now you're in Georgia. How does that work? Does, do you still have to commute back to Europe, or how, where are you going these days? Yeah, so when I first got back here, I was still um, doing a lot of work for the client accounts that were based out of our Munich office. Since then, we've transitioned most of my accounts to our Boston office. Um, so unfortunately, I don't get to go back there quite as much as I used to. But um, you know, I was fully prepared for the company to say, hey, it's been great working with you. Here's a nice reference letter. Uh, good luck when you get back to the States. Um, but fortunately, you know, the company said, hey, we like you. You work remotely in Germany. You can work remotely in the States. And um, they've just been very good and very generous to me. So I've got a really great working relationship with them. I know you know, not all companies are so supportive of military spouses when you have to move every two to three years. Um, So yeah, they've been very, very supportive. So do you foresee with the future military moves that you will still be able to work for this company? You know, it all depends on on where we go next. Um, Right now, I'm fortunate enough that I'm still on the East Coast time zone. um, And I'm working for a company that's based out of Boston. But for all I know, we could go to Asia next. And God only knows what that would look like trying to work for, you know, a 14, 16, 18-hour time difference overseas. Well, then here's another question for you. Mm -hmm. I know that you guys want to start a family. So have you thought about that and working? And where does your mind go when that happens? So that's a great question. Um, And I think I found out when we first got to Germany and I wasn't working that I'm not meant to be a stay-at-home mom. As much as I would love to be, I was bored out of my mind. Um, That being said, we didn't have kids at the time. We didn't even have a dog at the time. And my husband was deployed. So I was sitting in a foreign country and without anything, you know, to do during the day. Um, So I started volunteering like a crazy person. And we used to joke that I was too busy to get a real job. One of the things that we've talked about when we consider having kids is um, can we afford childcare? So if I'm going to be working full time, are we able, you know, are the finances such that we can, you know, balance my being able to work and also still be able to afford childcare while kids are still young before they get into school? So that's some, definitely something we'd have to take into consideration. So do you think that you'll really always try to work around so that you have some sort of work life and make it happen? I hope so. I mean, 
I feel like, like I said, you know, I've got a good education. I've got great experience. I generally enjoy working. Mm -hmm. So I definitely hope it's something that I can continue to do. At the same time, you know, when I look at my resume, when I look at my previous career field, it's really difficult to be in the career field that I that I want to be in. You know, I was in healthcare administration. I'm doing my master's in that right now. That being said, I'm going to have a good, you know, five or six year gap on my resume where I've been out of a direct patient care environment. Um, it's interesting to me because now I'm seeing kind of the beginning of the healthcare spectrum, working with, you know, these biotechnology companies that are doing the research, developing the drugs and the products and the therapies that are eventually going to be delivered to the patients at the other end of the spectrum. Um, but, you know, it's difficult when you're, again, when you're moving around all the time, there's gaps in your resume. Um, and companies are smart. You know, HR departments, when they look at your resume, they see that you're moving every two to three years. They see where you've lived, where those jobs have been located. Um, if they're in a military community, they're, they're going to ask, ask, you know, they're going to ask questions or they're going to be smart enough to figure out that, okay, if we hire this person, they may only be here for a couple years and then we're going to, you know, lose that that resource that we have and have to start the job process all over again so i know that legally there's not supposed to be you know any type of limits from hiring somebody just because they're a military spouse or they've got you know these different experiences which could actually be really valuable to the company Um, but i could also appreciate the frustration of having to hire new people on a regular basis having to train them and from the same time you know it's difficult if you move someplace a job process can take, you know, six months to a year to find a job, um, get hired, get trained up. I know some people in this area, depending on where you're living, they've been looking for a job for two years and haven't been able to, to find something. Um, military spouses, I think, are some of the most underemployed, you know, job pool that there is in the U.S. So you've got a bunch of spouses that are either working well below their education or their experience level. They're working outside of their uh, career fields or they're not working at all. And it's not necessarily because they don't want to work, but there's so many challenges and obstacles to overcome uh, to try and maintain a job, much less a, a career. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you being here. I think that that is very true. And it's nice hearing from somebody who has had many different employment opportunities in different countries because I think that that's something that we oftentimes forget about. So thank you for shedding some light on that for us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for being here with me today. I can honestly say that if you ever have too much income, I can help you solve that problem. I can also say that I have so much respect for what you do, and I'm amazed by your multitude of skills. Let me get one thing straight. I also think spouses who stay at home are incredible as well. I'm one of them, and up until my kids were school age, I don't quite know how I did it. It's an incredibly tough job filled with a lot of ups and downs, some guilt, and not a whole lot of recognition. We don't make any money for the countless hours we spend doing what we do, but we press ahead anyway. Now, I know a lot of people who are not only staying at home with their kids, but are homeschooling as well. That is amazing to me. My kids would learn a whole lot of nothing and would be very good at using Google. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other episode. Next time on Mandatory Fun, what it's like to be a child growing up in the military. They may be called brats, but these kids are far from it. They are some of the biggest heroes with the biggest hearts, and chances are they've been to more places than you. Now, something to make you laugh. The boss called one of his employees into the office. Rob, he said, you've been with the company for a year. You started off in the post room. 
One week later, you were promoted to a sales position, and one month after that, you were promoted to district manager of the sales department. Just four short months later, you were promoted to vice chairman. Now, it's time for me to retire, and I want you to take over the company. What do you say to that? Thanks, said the employee. Thanks, the boss replied. Is that all you can say? I suppose not, the employee said. Thanks, Dad. On that note, this is Aaron signing off. Till next time, may your life be full of mandatory fun. (laughs) 